Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, uh, church. It's uh, great to be here with you again in worshiping. Um, please for, forgive me if I'm sounding like a broken record. I just want to say hi. Um, and we're, we're excited to uh, be here and, and worship. Um, we have Jaleesa joining us here uh, this, this afternoon along with the, with the full band. So we really want to encourage you guys to step into some worship. Um, it's, it's all about him. He is our audience as, as, we, as we worship. Let's just wait on him. And we're going to do something this morning. I hope you catch it in our first song, but it's going to emphasize the, the point of waiting on him, waiting on the Lord. So uh, if you'll join, join with me in, uh, in prayer here as we, as we enter into worship. Uh, Father, we just uh, exalt you. Father, we just uh, we lift your name on high. Father, we worship your name. God, we, we invite your presence here as we worship here on the stage, in our living rooms, wherever we're taking this in, Lord. We just say that you are our audience, Lord. And we thank you. You are the greatest audience we could possibly have, Lord. So as we invite your presence, as we enter into worship here, God, I pray that our hearts would be open um, and ready to receive the gushing in of your Holy Spirit, the river of living water. Lord, we invite you. Lord, our goal, our aim, our mission here is just to worship you, Lord, and to, and to be to be ready to receive, God, because we know that you have a special word for us, God, even as we worship here in spirit and in truth and when, when we hear your word later on, Lord. So we, we bless you. We bless everyone in our body, in our church body through, through this time. We say, Lord, that you're still seated on the throne. You're still in charge. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Shut the rise. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will wait. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait, we will our God. Our God, you reign forever, our home, our strong deliverer, you are, you are the everlasting God, the everlasting God, you do not
mighty name. Oh, 
Good morning, or should I say good afternoon, or is it good evening? It's one of the amazing things about technology, uh, but it's wonderful to have this opportunity to communicate with you in your living rooms or on your computers, cell phones, wherever you're watching. Um, I hope you're doing well. I really do. It's, uh, I wanted to just start by saying thank you uh, to those in Saddleback Covenant Church who have been so faithful during this time. We have not taken received an offering in over five months, yet all our bills are paid on time, and you've been faithful to get the money in through the various channels. Uh, and that money is the Lord's money. It goes to Him for His purposes. Um, also, I just um, wanted you to know the reason I'm staying with this topic of anxiety is I've run into a lot of it along the way. I was at a pastor's Zoom meeting this week, we were talking and um, some of the issues of opening church and everybody is anxious. They want to get back to normal, whatever that was and is. And I made a comment. I said, you know, we really admire the persecuted church. Like we love the persecuted church. We get the Voice of the Martyrs magazine and all that they go through. And yet that church is growing faster than any church in the world in India, China, even in Iran. Pakistan, the insider movement, so much is going on uh, below, below the equator in Africa, throughout Asia. God is on the move. But I want to say most of those places, you're not allowed to have a public baptism, nor are you allowed to have a Sunday meeting. You would not be able to say, come on in, everybody. So good to see you. Welcome to First Church on the Corner. We're so happy to have you doesn't work that way. In fact, they would even want to know who you are, lest you be a spy. We didn't know, even when I was in uh, one of the communist countries I was in, we didn't know who was who. So it was, you just have to be very circumspect that way. My point is, yes, we're not meeting on Sunday morning, but yes, the church is alive and well. Yes, people are meeting with each other. Yes, people are praying for each other. Yes, yes, yes. Don't get stuck in this, but I want it to be this way. Any of us, I too, I can't wait till the time comes when you walk through the doors, boom, we hit the drums and we, we, we just praise our brains out. It's coming, okay? But in the meantime, we can still pray and do the things we need to do. So I want to start this morning by just praying for Matt and Emily Davis. They are Duke and Susie Hale's, um, Duke's daughter and son-in-law. They have come down with COVID uh, about four days ago. And uh, so we just want to lift them up. Lord, we, uh, they live in Costa Mesa, and they've been to our church a number of times. So, Lord, we thank you for Matt and Emily and their children, and we pray for the healing power of Jesus Christ to be on them. We pray, Lord, for a mild case and that you would strengthen and bless them in every way. Lord, lift any anxiety that's on them. Give them what they need at this hour. May, you draw, may they draw close to you as only you can do in and through their lives. Amen. Amen. So here we are, part two. Welcome. Well, I've got this quote that says, Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Try to follow that. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. That's anonymous. He wrote that. And never try to carry today's burdens with tomorrow's grace. We spend a lot of time shoveling smoke, said Claude McDonald. 
So I spoke on perspective on anxiety. I talked about Solomon, who was, in my opinion, probably the richest man that ever lived and the wisest. Everything that Solomon had in life was a byproduct of an original request when he could have had anything he wanted and he asked God for a discerning heart to judge the people. And God was so pleased with him that he gave him all the things he didn't ask for and beyond. And he had, he, Solomon has everything this earth has to offer uh, as far as material possessions, influence, fame, brains, status, um, children, the whole bit. But I just want to give you a taste of it. I'm going to read in 1 Kings uh, chapter 10. This is the queen of Sheba who came to visit him. Beginning in verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. So she came to Jerusalem with a very large retinue with camels and carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. Man, what a counselor. When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers and his stairway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report. which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I didn't believe the reports until I came and my eyes had seen it and behold, and half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I heard. How blessed are your men. How blessed are these, your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and very great amount of spices and precious stones. Never again did such an abundance of spices come in as that which the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. That's an amazing gift. The money, the value of her gift is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. This man who was a poet, architect, counselor, king, ruler, artist, and zoologist, writer, musician, he also wrote these words in Proverbs. Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Could Solomon have had any anxiety with all that he had? I said last week he had 700 wives and 300 in his harem or concubine. Most of those were political alliances, but there was over a thousand right there that he had to deal with all the ramifications of, of that world. I'm imagining that even as wise as he was, there's a great deal of stress. And at the end of his life, it says, or as he grew older, he strayed. Go back to the beginning, you'll see Solomon loved the Lord his God, but he strayed from God to his stuff. To his wife, I don't mean his wives are stuff, okay, but he moved materialistically. He, worked, he was a workaholic, and he moved away from what he had. And as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he says it's all vanity. A man who received everything the world had to offer, it was empty. He talks about it. He says, if you're rich, you die. If you're poor, you die. What difference does it make? If you're wise, you die. If you're, if you're not so smart, you die. Or you work your whole life to make a ton of money, only to give it to someone who may be a fool and waste it after you're gone. Vanity of vanities.
Think about our anxiety. Much of our anxiety would just want a piece of some things like the materialistic things I hear so often, um, I just want a house or I just want a car or I want a job. And those are all good things. But we can get weighed down and anxious about a lot. And there's an antidote. In Matthew 6, he says, they get anxious about what they're going to eat and drink and wear. It's really about stuff. We as Americans, almost everywhere, have running water, food to eat, and clothes to get by on. Did a little research, and one-third of the world does not have access to good drinking water. So that scripture means a lot to two and a half billion people. Three billion do not have safe sanitation. I've been to India three times, and I've been other places in Africa um, and Latin America. It's not a stretch for me to see three, three billion people not have safe sanitation. And over two billion people suffer from lack of food or malnutrition. But here's the interesting thing. Whether you're suffering from malnutrition or you live in an ocean view in Newport Beach and you're anxious, Paul doesn't distinguish. He gives the same antidote for the anxiety. It's the same whether you're male or female, educated or illiterate, rich or poor. In Philippians 4, 7, Paul tells them, the person who said, whether I'm abased or abound, I can do all things. I've learned the secret in Christ. I've learned the secret of being content, how to be abased, lowered, or how to abound. And so he says to this in Roman, uh, Philippians 4, 7, rejoice in the Lord always. Now this is written for all of us at all times and all places. Rejoice is to gladden our hearts, exhilarate our hearts to exalt. I talked to a man once who was fairly well off and he had a beautiful home here in Southern California and he went to, he was on a trip, he went to Africa. When he got there, he saw the need and he wrote down all the things he could do and the money he could spend on it. And he, um, and he was riding back in the plane. He was sitting there, I can do this, I can do that. And he said, they need so much. And he said, oh, you know what? They're happy and I'm not. I need what they have, not him needing. It's the other way around because we see everything through a materialistic lens. Certainly there's that part of life. I get it. We do need to, uh, whatever we've done to the least of the brethren, we've done unto the Lord. But do you hear what I'm saying in that? To rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. First song of the day. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, again I say rejoice. I can't be anxious when I sing that song. Rejoice, I can't. That's making a joyful sound, by the way. I don't claim to have a great voice, but I can make a joyful sound. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing or patient spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. He's not far. And he says, be anxious for nada. Be anxious for nothing. Zilch. Anxiety does not have the right to control your life. Anxious thoughts and anxious feelings get way too much credit. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, you go from nothing to everything by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, 
which is the opposite of anxiety, which surpasses all comprehension. Because it's not based on circumstances. Your circumstances may still be the same. You may be out of a job. You may still be in a crunch going through something really difficult. But you don't have anxiety because your life is in the hands of the Lord. You may be living in southern Sudan with nothing but the clothes on your back. Or you may be a wealthy person living in Paris. But peace of God surpasses understanding. It guards or umpires our hearts in Christ Jesus. All blessings from the Lord are byproducts. We're told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's got enough troubles of its own. Alvin Toffler was a futurist back in the 80s or 90s, and he wrote a book well, this will impress you, the echospasm report. Another one was called Future Shock. But the Future Shock was that things are moving so fast that the future is coming into the present and it's shocking us now, which is a giant trap for anxiety. And anxiety builds as we try to control what might happen. And anxiety is exhausting. Kids, say it with me. Anxiety is exhausting. Anxiety uh, centers around fear of losing uh, life, limb, job, marriage, health, a position, or the world situation is so up in the air. I'm an old man, have been known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. Mark Twain. Worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. Irma Brombrecht. Anxiety, it's the fear of losing or not having something. So here's my question. This is the crux of something. What do you want that you don't have? What do I want that I don't have? There's only one answer to that. I mean, you can only give one answer. I don't want, a, not a litany, but what do I want? I wondered, is, would my petition be a good one like Solomon? Is my petition to the Lord about my friends or my enemies that they would be honored or blessed? What do I want? A lot of us know what we don't want. But some of us even don't know what we don't want. We're just caught up in, I don't know what I want, I don't know what I do want, and then it's just an anxious thing going back and forth. That's very common. Perceiving I'm losing something or some, something or someone, something bad will happen. That's another aspect of anxiety. I'm going to do this. I hope you don't mind if I keep this umbrella up for the rest of the message. But I'm really worried it's going to rain. I mean, if it rains, I'm going to get so... You know what? I could get electrocuted up here. I mean, it's It's crazy. And even, you know, if a tornado came and took the roof off, I think the sun, this would help me with the sun. So I've got this as my protection. That idea came to me from the great Alice Caldwell Rice. She said, it ain't no use putting your umbrella up till it rains. Anxiety is about worrying about every possible thing that can come down the pike. It's apprehension of mind often uh, sees an anticipated or impending negative outcome. I told you last week it actually means to strangle or to be choked or makes it difficult to breathe. Anxiety suffocates our vitality and focuses on what might go wrong. 
the effects bring on fear, dread, foreboding, uncertainty, and mistrust. C.S. Lewis said, the next moment is as much beyond our grasp and as much in God's care as that of a hundred years away. Care for the next minute is just as foolish as care for the day in the next thousand years. In either we can do anything. It's both God is the doing, uh, in both, God is doing everything. I've been a pastor a long time. 45 years. Been the pastor of the church going into my 34th year. And the church has been through many seasons. I could be a nervous wreck, worried about the church. Is it going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to burn out? Is Is our family okay? What's going on? I could be all these different things. But I'm telling you, thanks be to God who leads us through triumph. He gave gave me the grace not to get caught up in what might go wrong, but only to do the best I could with what he gave me. Before I became the pastor, a person prophesied over me and said, if the church goes well, don't take the credit. And if the church goes poorly, don't take the blame. It's God's church. You're his man and do your best. I also informed the Lord at that time that I did not have a radio voice, um, that I did not go to a seminary, um, and that I don't know if he was aware of that at the time. But I said, okay, here's the deal. If you do it, I'll do my best. If I go down the tubes, I'm going down with you. And that was the deal we struck. And I've been at this place ever since in God. I said last week that when someone says, why is it that the former days were better than these? It's not from wisdom that you ask about this. That scripture in Ecclesiastes 7.10 is is an indictment on our wisdom um, that we seem to think it was better in the previous time. We look at the past with rose-colored glasses, and last week I went over the 20th century. I'm not going to do it again. It's in the first part of the message. But those were difficult times. The summation of it was the 20th century was the bloodiest in human history. With all of our technological and the industrial revolution, modernism, and everything that was coming into full fruition, it was a, a century of untold violence. Nostalgia's big business, the good old days. Everything seems simpler and clearer. So here we are now, and we're reacting to the changes. We either react or respond. You were made for such a time as this. Reacting to what isn't isn't the way God wants us to do. And to be anxious about some of the crazy things that are coming down the pipe, this too will pass. We have to trust that God placed us here and now, and we have an opportunity to be salt and light. The good old days, the goal was so so clear. There wasn't so much confusion. But we need God's perspective on our anxious thoughts. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Search, uh, he says, try me and know my anxious thoughts. David is saying he had anxious thoughts. But he wasn't going to feed him. He challenges the Lord to look at any hurtful way in him and lead him. He's confessing his anxious thoughts, but he's not just stewing in the corner. He's turning to the Lord his God. Listen to this one in Psalm 94, 17 through 19. If I should say my foot has slipped, thy loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Thy consolations delight my soul. He's actually saying his anxious thoughts 
multiply when his foot slips. My foot slipped. I've made mistakes. I forgot something important. I was careless. Yesterday, or this morning, Dudley, my wife came into the house. I, couldn't, I was sitting there, I was having coffee. She came back from her walk and she had dust all over her. Her forehead had a little knot on it. Her nose was cut open this way. I said, what the heck? And she said, I took a really hard fall. And she was out walking and they caught a root on the trail and she didn't see it and went down and hit the concrete. And the good news is nothing's broken. She looks good. She's got a good attitude. But now I'm worried. I don't ever want her to go for a walk again because she might fall. Who would want to live a life like that? Just because something goes wrong. In this world, we will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Thomas Kempis, a Christian mystic, said, Oh, how great peace and quietness would he possess who should cut off all vain anxiety and place all his confidence in God. Now, I want to read from 1 Peter. We're staying on this track of anxiety, beginning in verse 6. Chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting. Would you say that with me, Ethan? Casting. All. A-double-L, all, all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Fight him. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want to read it again, only this time I'm going to read it from the message, which is a parallelation of the same verses. He said, God has had it with the proud but takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are. Don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promise you, um, he'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only one who's plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before the generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans that they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. He does. I want to talk a little bit about your burden today, whether it's your health, your family, your children, your job, your income, your personal sin you're carrying. Whatever it is, if you're carrying anxiety today, you can get rid of it. Here's how you get rid of anxiety. Go away, anxiety. Go away. Please, anxiety, don't make me anxious anymore. Did you? I'm going to say it again. Don't let me be anxious anymore. Okay. 
I have some friends that live in Utah that try to teach me to fly fish. I, I do pretty good when they're with me. I don't, I'm not good enough to do it on my own, but when we go out into the river, they're constantly casting, casting. You know why? If you don't cast, you don't catch. You don't get no cast, no fish. Casting is intentionality. And if you're carrying a lot of anxiety, he said, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. This is my prop. I don't know whose this is. Forgive me in advance. But this is anxiety. It's all over me. All over me. Oh, what's going to happen next? I'm so worried. Did you see the news last night? What about school? I don't know what we're going to do about school. Did you see the job report? Oh, man. Oh, look what China did. Oh, man. Uh, I've got a pain here. I don't know what this could be. Oh, I, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Lord, Lord, cast it. Ugh. It's on you, Lord. On you. Because you care for me. I can't carry it. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It just empties today of its strength. George MacDonald, poet, author, Scottish mentor, C.S. Lewis, considered him his master, wrote this. It has been well said that no man ever sank under the burden of the day. It's when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. Never load yourself so, so, my friends. If you find yourself so loaded, at least remember this. It's your own doing, not God's. He begs you to leave the future to him and mind the present. The future belongs to God, and God alone knows the future. We might get a glimpse or surmise, but recent events clearly show us how quickly and how suddenly things can change. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken, Psalm 55, 22. In Matthew chapter 6, and I won't take the time to read it, but from 25 to 34, five times he tells them not to be anxious and tells us it won't add to our life, it won't make us taller. He challenges them, and he says, and even Solomon, who I read about, today, the beginning of the, my sermon this morning, that the lily is more glorious, but not more important than we are to God. The most glorious king in Israel falls short of the adornment of a simple flower. God cares for you and me more than we can even imagine. So we're not to be anxious. He knows we need certain things, and all these things can be a great source of anxiety but we're to trust him. Those things in our life which cause us to worry and be anxious militate against our faith. All these things in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. They are a byproduct of seeking his kingdom. Just as Solomon's great wealth and wisdom was a byproduct of seeking God and asking the right way for the right thing. He knows all the things we need. Our Father knows this. I want to say something that doesn't cause me anxiety, but it really irritates me. Personal confession. You know what a robocall is? Somebody is calling on my phone and they're calling from Lake Forest or Mission Viejo, and so it must be somebody. I pick it up, and it's a foreign language, and they're one, or, or it's, they're selling something. I'm not very, I don't go, oh, no, you got the wrong number. I always say, I'm not interested, click. The next time you get a robocall from anxiety, I want you to say, I'm not interested in going there. I'm not going to give in to that. Sorry, I'm not interested in anxiety. 
Anxiety can be overcome. It's not easy, but the remedy is clear. Cast your cares on the Lord. Simple, but not easy. We battle the need for control. Your life and all it entails is a byproduct of seeking first the kingdom of God. Our stuff won't go with us. Some friends of ours just had an estate sale. So many memories and beautiful, expensive furniture that went, some of it went for 10 cents on a dollar. Some of it was just given away. Ecclesiastes 5 says, And he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. And this also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus he will die. So what's the advantage to him who toils for the wind? He's really battling the whole irony. He's close to being cynical. But he's also true that the only thing we can take ahead of us are the good works and the love that we've given to God that go before to us to his throne. Our good works don't save us, but they're a blessing to God. Leave the future to him. Don't let worries about tomorrow affect the relationship you have with God today. What do I want that I don't, don't have? Our answer to that question says a lot about us. What do I want that I don't have? There's peace in that question, if you can find it. And I want to close with one more quote from Augustine. He was a bishop in the fourth century, I believe, fifth century. He wrote The City of God. Amazing, amazing man, church father. Here I am quoting him, and he lived nearly 1,600 years ago. But he said this, In all trouble you should seek God. You should not set him over against your troubles, but within them. God can only relieve your troubles if you, in your anxiety, cling to him. Troubles should not really be uh, thought of as this thing or that thing in particular. For our whole life, our whole life on earth involves trouble. Let me repeat that. Our whole life on earth involves trouble. And through the troubles of our earthly pilgrimage, we find God. So, let's let it go. Cast your anxiety upon him. It's a battle. Doctors have told people that anxiety actually damages your health. Causes you to obsess on something that occupies all your thoughts. It affects your productivity. It negatively affects your relationships and those around you. And it really reduces your ability to trust. This whole message could be Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. None of us are perfect. Anxiety rears its ugly head from time to time. What the devil wants to do is capitalize on your fear and your worry of what might happen and neutralize you in the present. Don't let him do that. He doesn't have the right to do that. The Son of God came and lived a perfect life and showed us how to live, and he went to Calvary. No one took his life. He freely gave it. He died on that cross for your sins. Your sins were nailed to that cross. 
and he imparted his righteousness to you. And so when the father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, something you didn't earn and something you didn't merit. With such a wonderful gift of salvation to all whosoever will believe, it's our love and duty to give our lives back to him in obedient service. Don't let anxiety get you down. I'm going to probably have to pay for that thing I threw, but uh, I really have physically at times in my life cast anxiety away the same way. It's like a fisherman with a net. I've shared this many times, but they grab a net and they go out and they swoop it as far as they can. And when it hits the water, it encapsulates all the fish and they draw it in. You won't get what you need by saying, go away, anxiety. It has to be intentional. It has to mean that you're, you're, you're sick of this. You're not going to live your life with this kind of torment, this kind of uneasiness, this kind of uncertainty occupying you. It's up to us to fight the good fight. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for Pat and the team. Thank you for Ethan this morning. And I pray that the, the Spirit uh, would open this up to us in a way that there would be real breakthrough, Lord, that someone who's really carrying these things in their heart, Lord, that you would free them up. Holy Spirit, just move on the people of our church. Move on the people of our church's families. Move on our children. Lord, move on our grandchildren. Move on our friends. Lord, help us to be kind to enemies and bless them. Help us to be of a different spirit. Lord, help the peace of God that passes understanding be evident as we go on our journey. I thank you, Lord, and I pray your favor in these times that you'll give us the grace and peace and wisdom we need as we continue to move forward. In your name we pray, amen. Hi everyone, Brian DeFazio here. This is my lovely wife, Carrie. We just wanna say we're so honored and thankful and grateful to be able to be able to speak to y'all today. Um, we're gonna share a little bit about what we wanna leave behind, what we have left behind, and what we wanna take forward um, now that our, our lives have been flipped upside down a little bit. For me, I think one of the biggest things is the fear of the unknown um, and I guess the obsessive need to plan and know, know what's going on and why things are happening. Um, it's such a unique time in our history and something that I think that I need to take forward is knowing that God is in the details, the, the true um, faith in that the Lord was not surprised by any of this. He wasn't surprised by the coronavirus. He wasn't surprised by uh, what's going on in the United States right now. He, he's here, he's present, he's in the details and uh, leaving behind that questioning and moving forward with what is uh, true. And the truth is that the Lord is present and um, we need to be faithful and continue in prayer and, and hopeful in his plan. Uh, and then additionally, I think that something that I really want to leave behind is the, I feel like before all of this, I was so concerned with not appearances, but the idea of filling my life to feel busy and making it look like I had it all together in that busyness. And since everything stopped, that's not been an option. It's just, this is, this is it. This is who you are. And I think that something that I really want to take forward is more authenticity uh, that I can say no to things that I don't want to do or that don't fit into our lifestyle or our, our plans right now. Um, so just leaving behind the obsessiveness of busyness and uh, moving forward with authenticity. Yeah, previously we were a little uh, overcommitted and maybe didn't realize it, the toll it was taking on us um, until we were forced to slow down and, uh, and take a step back and um, 
I think that's something we're we're grateful to have left behind. Uh, but moving forward, we are so thankful and blessed that we're able to to slow down and and just remind ourselves of how blessed we are, uh, how grateful we are for the things that we do have. And, and we really want to teach our children, um, you know, to be thankful and grateful uh, for everything that we've been provided. I can't say enough how, how thankful I, I am for the time we've been able to spend as a family. And um, I'm really looking forward to to more of that in the future. We miss you guys. Can't wait to be together again. Miss you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's the Wallaces. Hopefully you guys are doing well. Um, you know the drill by now. So one of the things that I'm hoping to leave behind is just the uh, the Groundhog Day of just kind of waking up, doing the same thing, not being able to, for me, not being able to drive up to LA and do my do my job. So that's one thing I want to leave behind. And one thing I want to take with me is I've realized that, that God's helped me understand the importance of relationships even more and just to grow deeper with my kids, to get more connected with them, and then more connected with the people in my life. Yeah, I actually have similar thoughts, um, even though we wrote them down separately. But um, <clears throat> I've just found that there's been a lack of purpose in our days. And for our kids, of course, ourselves and the work yeah. that we do and the, you know, the impact that we make on our little world has felt um, just a little more purposeless and a little um, there's just been more like a little boredom and some futility kind of um, through it. And it's taking more intentionality to make sure that we're um, just making the most of our days. And I feel that for the kids too, that their purpose and their schoolwork and their sports or, um, you know, whatever things they're involved in, those are missing. And that's been just something to struggle with for them to find purpose in their days, even without those, you know, organized um, things there for them. And purpose is a good thing. So it's, that's one thing I'm looking forward to is getting back to having purpose and um, meaning in the things we do, even though the things we do are meaningful. And that's such a good reminder that it's not necessarily just um, what the world sets up for us that um, give us meaning, but things that we, that God has set aside for us to do. So um, what I like to take with me is um, the intentionality of um, making contact with people, how we've had to be intentional and creative in the ways that we've had relationship. And um, some of the things that we've started to do, we've just been all of a sudden we'll have dinner on the front lawn because it's different and it switches things up and that's kind of fun. Or we'll take a um, late night walk in the dark, which is fun. And um, we've been doing family time at night, just piled up, all of us piled up in our bed watching a movie or something together. And that's been fun. So things like that that are simple um, have been really, really special, more special than yeah than I think we realize that they are. So. All right. Well, have a good week. And um, by the way, that's our neighbor's dog, not our dog. <laughs> Bye. Are in 
control as you are in control yes you are in control yes you I have no need You lead me by peaceful streams And you refresh my life You hold my hand and you guide my steps I can walk through the valley of death And I won't be afraid Because you in control yes you are in control yes you are in control it's you who are in control because everything to work Lord Cause everything to work together You truly have a sovereign plan And you know who I am And you be who I am And you love who I am And you know
Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. We'll see you soon.